everyone, and thank you for joining me again today for the Finding Hope After Loss podcast. As I have previously mentioned, October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. And I have some special things planned for that month to honor all of our babies. Be sure you check out the Journey for Jasmine Instagram and Facebook page to stay up to date on everything that will be going on and to see how you can participate. If you haven't submitted your baby's name for the Wave of Light, get them in soon. And there will also be a special podcast episode this month where I speak with some of my Project Finding Your Rainbow participants. They will be discussing what it was like to participate and share their stories. Today, I am speaking with Annie, who went through three pregnancy losses and is still hopeful for her rainbow baby. She discusses going through her losses and also dealing with doctors who would not listen to her concerns. So hello everyone, today I am here with Annie. Annie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, hello everyone. Hi Sarah. Um, My name is Annie. Um, I am 30 years, well sorry, 31 years old. I just had my birthday. (laughs) Um, Happy belated birthday. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. I'm from um, England. I'm married. Um, I developed a passion for fitness quite a few years ago now. Um, and I also study a online um, degree in business management. That sounds interesting. Do you do that for your job? Yes. So um, I recently transitioned, changed my career late last year. Um I just needed something to keep my mind off things uh, as I worked in childcare for dozens of years prior to that. Um, And I just needed a change of scenery, really. So um, I'm now a business officer um, and I thought I'll just extend my knowledge in that role. Um, So I'm doing a online degree alongside that, both full time. Crazy, crazy, I know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't do things by half measure. <laughs> I understand that. I, I'm the same way. I'm kind of like all in and I have to do a lot all at once. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I can imagine it was kind of hard working in, in childcare then going through everything. Yes, yeah, it was incredibly difficult. Um Hence why I cha- changed uh, my career, because it just all got too much in the end. Uh, as you can imagine, working with younger children, they have no filter. They, um, Some of them knew that I had a baby in my belly <laughs> and um, it's not their fault. But yeah, it was it was really, really hard to cope with. So can you talk um, a little bit about your last journey? Yeah, sure. Um, so I've been, we've been trying for quite a while now. Um, I got married during COVID, coronavirus season. Um, so um, we've been trying um, since then. Prior to our wedding, I ended up having a laparoscopy surgery um, because I've suffered really badly um 
with period pain um, and ended up getting it checked out by a private doctor in the end. Um, and they stated that I've got endometriosis, um, adenomyosis, and I already knew that I had um, PCOS as well. Um, so considering all of that, um, I did end up having my surgery a few months after we got married. Um, so I had my surgery in January of 2021. And it ended up, um, the tissue ended up being all, all the way around my ovaries, all, all over my bowels, all um, on my diaphragm. Um, and luckily they managed to get a majority of it out but unfortunately they had to move my left ovary um, temporarily. So I did um, experience some complications um, post-surgery. Um, I had to go on to a menopausal um, treatment to, to put my body in temporary menopause to let that ovary recover for a couple of months. Um, so that obviously delayed our um, TTC plans. Um, so it took a good few months to recover from that, and it took another few months for the menopausal um, treatment to go outside of out of my body. Um, when it when it did go out of my body, I didn't have a period for a good few months after that. So from January twenty twenty one until um say around august 2021 i didn't have not one period um from august i ended up getting my periods back thankfully um and then near the end of 2021 we decided um to start trying properly and um to our surprise, because post-surgery we were told, I had quite a few tests with the private doctor to just check if my ovaries are okay, um, if my AMH levels, my progesterone levels are okay. And it was then when I found out that I had really, really low progesterone to the point where the doctor said um, it, it will be virtually impossible to conceive naturally by yourself. So you would need medical intervention when you do start your fertility journey. So um, we decided to try, um, like I said, in November 2021. Um, and to our surprise, because we didn't think that it would work anyway, but, uh, considering what the doctor said, um, but to our surprise, um, to our surprise, we found out that we were pregnant around two months after that. Um, so end of January, we found out that we were pregnant in last year, 2022. And as you can imagine, we were shocked. Uh, we were very happy. Um, already started planning out what our future would look like. Um, with this miracle baby, because we already felt like it was a miracle baby considering all what my body has gone through prior to that um so um we ended up getting a private um ultrasound scan to check if baby was okay um and we had that at the end of february 
And they said, yeah, baby's okay. Um, it made it feel more real at that time. Um, the baby had a, a healthy, strong heartbeat as well. And I was around six weeks. Um, unfortunately, just over a month later in March, um, I started bleeding. Um I spoke to the emergency services, um, well, we call it the A&E in England. <laughs> you call it the ER or whatever you call it abroad. <laughs> so we call it uh, the A&E. So I called the A&E straight away. Uh, they said, obviously, it's normal, you know, um, in early pregnancy, some women bound to get some light bleeding as long as it doesn't go heavy or change colour because at that time it, it, it wasn't red, it was quite light brown. Uh, so I didn't have any really um, urgent concerns um, and I was due to come in the morning after um, just to get like a, a reassurance scan from the hospital to make sure that it's nothing serious. Um, but they did say if it gets heavier or if you're getting more pain, then um, come in. So unfortunately I did get more pain um, and I went straight into the hospital. Uh, the nurses, there was quite a long wait because it was really busy that day. Um, the nurses said the same thing, repeated what they said. You know, there's nothing to worry about. Please don't stress. Um, they took me to the uh, department where they do the scans. They did my bloods, my blood pressure, did a, did a pregnancy test. And at that time, I thought, why are you doing a, a pregnancy test? Like, I know I'm pregnant. I've, ha I've had a, a private scan to confirm. Like, I, I, and I was experiencing symptoms, pregnancy symptoms as well. So I knew I was pregnant. Um, but I was quite oblivious to the fact that um, loss, miscarriages, our thing um and um we ended up the test obviously came back still pregnant um and because it was quite late that night it ended up being around nine o'clock at night time and we had to wait for someone who was available to come in and do a scan and when she did the scan she did an external scan um so um, I I said, I'm still quite early. I'm, I'm not sure if you'll see anything. Um, and she said, oh, let's do an external scan first. So she did one and she said, I can see something, but I can't see like a proper clear image. Um, so she ended up doing an internal scan and she was looking at the screen for a very, very long time. And at that moment, I looked at my husband and I just spurted out crying because I knew deep down in my heart that there's something wrong. Um, and um, the sonographer said, oh, those dreaded words, I'm sorry, there's no, there's no heartbeat. And at that moment in time, my whole world just stopped. She was talking and I couldn't, it was like she was so far, far away. I kind of just dazed out. I just couldn't believe it. Um, 
and she confirmed my husband asked when did the baby pass away and unfortunately our baby passed away around three four days after our private scan um and she just she comforted us she gave us a leaflet to explain what a miscarriage is what a missed miscarriage is which is what I experienced um and what kind of treatments are available um so we just went home obviously cried and cried and cried I couldn't I couldn't get out of bed for days on end um it really affected my husband as well um but he he was strong enough to keep us both going and um after that um so so I naturally miscarried at home um it came to but I did book for a surgical management intervention a DNC um but by the time that happened I was already heavily bleeding um so they advised there's no point in doing that you you're already going through the process um to see how it goes if you're still bleeding for a long time then of course come back to us so um I bled for around two weeks um excruciating pain the nurses said you know you will experience it was it, it's just like a period so so I just went by their advice I, did, I didn't think that it would be that painful um but unfortunately it was I ended up having to go back and forth to the hospital because of the pain um and eventually I ended up getting um really strong medicine called tramadol just to ease the pain and help me sleep because I couldn't sleep at all um after the after our first miscarriage after our first miscarriage we had to wait for a negative test um and they advised usually to wait for one cycle before trying again and I was in that mindset like I, I'm never going to try again like how can I possibly be fun um and doing dozens of pregnancy tests to expect the opposite result instead of a positive, you're expecting a negative, so then you know everything is, it has gone, unfortunately. Um, it was really, really hard to get my head around. But um, luckily, I didn't have any complications with the natural miscarriage. Um, I tested negative two weeks later um, after I stopped bleeding. And uh, we just took some time to recuperate um, and just focus on other things. So I slowly, slowly went back into my fitness, slowly, slowly um, focused on returning to work. Um, returning to work was quite hard because, like I said, I, I, I worked in education, so I was working in a primary school. Um, and no, no one really knew apart from the staff and a few a few children um, in my class. So when I returned, that was really, really hard to cope with. Mentally, um, physically, I was okay. I recovered well. Um, but mentally, it, it, it was quite daunting. Um, luckily, I had a good supportive network around me as well. And um, 
eventually we did come around. It took a few months, but we did come around to um, the idea of trying again. So <laughs> it happened quite quick again. Um, we started trying around two months after our um, first miscarriage and um, found out that I was pregnant again near the end of June. Um, so quite quick. And um, at that moment in time, I knew I needed progesterone because I was quite low in progesterone. I already knew that prior to um, trying in the first place. Um, regarding the first miscarriage, I did speak to my midwife and I said, you know, I need, I, I did need the progesterone, but you kept saying, you know, no, we can't give you progesterone um, because um, it, our guidelines in the, in the UK is you have to have three um, miscarriages, three reoccurring miscarriages in order to get progesterone and in order to even be referred to the infertility clinic. Um, so when I heard that, I thought, gosh, why, 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 why do other women have to experience and myself have to experience loss after loss after loss? It just doesn't make any sense. Um, but unfortunately, you know, they are the guidelines currently. Um, so when we found out that we were pregnant again in June, um, I went straight to the doctors. I was really, really anxious. We just thought of the, all the happiness. We were happy, but we were, our anxiousness took over. Um, my paranoia took over. Um, I, I had no idea how far gone I was as well, because um, my period was quite all over the place in May. Um, so I had no idea. And um, I went to the doctor and so said, please, please, I really, really need the progesterone. Like, I know, I know my baby won't survive. Um, I've gone through it once. I, I really, really don't want to go through it again. And they just kept saying, you got to have it from a consultant from a hospital. And unfortunately, you're not referred because you haven't had three losses and you're fine. You know, so loads of women have one miscarriage and go on to having a healthy baby. Uh, so my my head and my heart was battling each other. Um, unfortunately, it was short lived. So we found out we were pregnant on the 28th of June and about four days, three, four days later, I started bleeding when I was at school, when I was working. Um, I had to leave work in bits, um, crying on the phone to my husband. My husband took me to the hospital, tried to keep positive, but I knew deep down again, um, you know, it's going to be bad news, but praying for the best outcome, but knowing deep down it will be bad news. Um <clears throat> Unfortunately, it was a Friday evening. There was no one available to do any scans. Um, they did a test, pregnancy test. I'm still pregnant. Um, they checked my cervix. My cervix was closed, uh, which is which is kind of a good sign, according to them. But I was still bleeding. So I, <laughs> I stressed the fact that I am very, very low in progesterone. 
and I know I need these pessimists to help me. So the consultant there gave me some pe um, pessimists, but I knew deep down, it, you know, it's not going to work. There might be, you know, a 5% chance of it working to save this pregnancy, but because I've already started bleeding, I, I was just very, very pessimistic over that long weekend. It felt like a really long weekend. Um, and come Monday, by Monday, I, I was bleeding heavily. So I knew deep down is is not good news. Despite using the pessaries, it didn't make any difference whatsoever. Um, I went back to the hospital on Monday because I had an appointment already booked. Um, they did a pregnancy test prior to doing the scan, um, and the pregnancy test came back negative. I was really, really shocked. So was my husband because we, uh, comparing our second miscarriage to our first, it took a very, very long, it took about a month in total or five weeks in total to get that negative test. So I had dozens of questions to the nurse. I said, why, how, you know, it, is it my fault? Is there something wrong with my body? You know, I know I needed progesterone. There was mixed feelings of anger, resentment that no one was listening to me. Um, you know, if I had the progesterone to start off with and I did find out, maybe I wouldn't have started bleeding. Um, there was always what if this, what if that in our heads. And um, unfortunately, she couldn't scan, she didn't scan because she was like, you know, there's no point in scanning your your negative. Gave me the same leaflet again, um, and uh, went through our options, and we ended up. I ended up going through natural um, management in the end again at home. Um, and after our second miscarriage, uh, it took it took longer, not physically, mentally to get my head around it, like, how can, how can I go through this twice? How, what, what is wrong with me? Um, all that self-doubt, all the, all the second guessing yourself, you know, am I, is it my destiny not to be a mother? You know, um, just like is it something that I ate because because I was so into my fitness I I generally had a good diet to begin with um and I would just when we were pregnant with our second child I was obsessively checking all the ingredients of whatever I put in my mouth to the point where it just got really unhealthy and sometimes I would just live off the same food, like for morning, lunch and dinner. It just got to that point. And, um, and um, it was just really hard to get my head around. So, um, sorry. <laughs> it's been a long time since I spoke about it all. Um, so um, I advocated for myself a lot after our second loss. I was on the phone to my doctor quite a lot of times after. Um, and I said, listen, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not very happy. Like, 
I needed the progesterone. Um, is there any tests that you can do? And luckily, my my doctor is quite understanding. So she ended up putting me forward for the basic um, blood test and obviously to make sure that all the HCG has gone out of my body. Um, so I had all of that done um, and I asked to be referred to the infertility clinic. And I said, I know, I know you have to have three losses, but but um, I've got all these gynecology issues, you know, PCOS, endometriosis, adenomyosis, you know, low progesterone. Um, I haven't had a scan on my ovaries in a long time. Um, I, I just want to make sure that everything is okay um, for the future. And um, she said, like, luckily, like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do an urgent referral because of your ethnic background um, from the South Asian community, um, because of my ethnic background and mixed with my gynecology issues, she referred me. So she, I miscarried at the start of July and I got an appointment uh, for a blood, full blood count with the infertility clinic um, around two weeks later. So it was quite quick which I was happy about. And um, uh, they said regarding the full blood count, so I got tested, you know, for any possible blood clotting disorders that could be contributing to, to my losses, um, any possible conditions such as diabetes, you know, thyroid issues, um, and just like a very extensive blood test. They did say that it can take up to three months for the results to come back. So I was like, oh gosh, three months. Like That's a long time. <laughs> a very long time. Um, but luckily I did end up getting the results back the next month. Um, and it, it said everything more or less came back fine apart from a possible blood clotting disorder. So I just thought of, uh, we had a sense of relief. We were like, okay, that, that's some sort of answer to why this keeps happening. And um, they said, yeah, it, it tested positive for APS syndrome, blood clotting, um, but, but in order to fully diagnose you officially, you need to have a repeat blood test for it. And if that comes back positive, then you've definitely got it. If that comes back negative or inconclusive, then, you know, it's kind of up to you which way you want to go about it. Because when we got the results, I said to a consultant, specialist consultant there, and um, she put me on a future pregnancy plan because at that moment in time, in July, we were just like, no, we, we literally just had our second last, you know, time to just take a break from it all, enjoy married life, you know, put our focus onto our hobbies and um, other stuff like that. And um, so she put us on, put me on a pregnancy plan for the future. So I knew what I needed to do the next time we fall pregnant. So the pregnancy plan was to be on daily aspirin, baby aspirin, um, to help with the blood clotting um, from the first day of your positive test. Um, 
Clexane injections, which I would need a viability scan from that infertility clinic um, in order to get those injections. Um, and progesterone pessaries, which I had dozens of now from the infertility clinic um, from the first day of a positive pregnancy test. So <laughs> Perigumide, we were waiting for the results. We got the results a month later in August. That came back inconclusive. So we were a bit like, oh, oh gosh, which way shall we go about things now? You know, shall I go with a, um, a future pregnancy plan? Shall I not? Shall I just, you know, leave it to fate? Took a long time to decide that. But in the end, I decided to go with the pregnancy plan because some I thought something is better than nothing. You know, my last two mm -hmm. losses, I didn't have any medicine. I didn't have any medical intervention, anything like that. So I generally for you know, next time, as long as I have this medicine, it's, it's bound to work. It can't possibly happen again. And um, so we wasn't officially trying again. We focused on other things. Like I said, I changed career. So I changed career um in September um because I just thought I can't go back after the summer holidays I can't I can't go back I can't face it again um luckily I got ended up getting a job that I really like so I was focusing on that focusing going back to the gym <laughs> again my husband was focusing on other aspects of his job as well to keep us occupied um you know i've wanted to do a degree for a very very long time and in october well start of october um i started um my degree so that took a lot of uh, my focus and um in october following me starting my degree um i had my period, but it wasn't a normal period I'm used to. I had excruciating pain to the point where the pain was what it was like before I had my laparoscopy. So in my head, I thought, gosh, you know, has uh, these losses, have they done some damage inside, you know, um, because the month before I didn't have a period like that. So I, I just thought, oh, gosh, what's going on? Um, I had pain to the point where I couldn't get out of bed. Um, and um, I spoke to the doctors. The doctors was like, "Is there any chance you could be pregnant?" I was like, "No, no, there's no chance. We've been too busy. We've been so busy, you know." Um, she was like, "Okay, just wait until after your period, and you know, give it a few more weeks. And if you're still, you know." not feeling yourself then obviously do a test and the thought of doing a test is quite daunting you know anyone anybody who's suffered a loss whether it's one two three four they they you know it's a general feeling like it's very daunting you just don't ever want to do it again but then half of you is like I want to half of you is like I don't want to exactly <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a minefield isn't it <laughs> but um, um 
So after my period, I I ended up getting a viral infection. So I was just generally run down um, from the end of October to the start of November. And then um, it took another few weeks for me to like fully recover from the infection. So near the end of November last year, I thought, oh gosh, I haven't had a period this month. My husband was like, yeah, you haven't had a period this month, you know um do you want to like I'm not going to force you to do the test I was like you know what I'd, I'd rather do the test and see what's going on I was fully expecting it to be negative um but it was positive <laughs> I was like okay wow like they say people say to you you know like um if you don't focus on it as much, I'm sure you've heard all the sayings before from people. If you're not trying, you know, it will just happen. And although they mean well, although family, friends, you know, whoever you're talking to means well, you just, they don't know how it feels unless they've gone through the loss themselves. Um So um, I just thought, we just thought, okay, we were happy as usual, but the whole daunting experience, the whole, okay, right, I need to get on this medicine straight away. You know, as long as I'm doing something this time, it won't happen again. It will not happen again. Um, like we were adamant. So um, I even got uh, was bugging my doctors to the point where I was like, can you do a, can you do a HCG test to, check my progesterone and then can you do another one like a week later just to see if my levels are going up and um, they were like yeah you know your levels are fine according to how far gone you are you know you'll be fine um I had a viability scan more or less a few days after we found out that I was pregnant again um and I was just fully expecting bad news, like, oh, you know, it's not viable or anything. And um, they said, yeah, it is viable, you know, good news. We can give you these injections to help thin your blood. So then um, it shouldn't happen again. I was like, okay, brilliant. Thank you. Um, and I was around six weeks when I had my viability scan. So Comparing the last two um, losses that I've had, that was the critical time between six to, you know, eight weeks is when I usually lose my babies. And so those were really anxious weeks um, that I had. I kept calling the infertility clinic and I said, listen, I'm experiencing similar symptoms to when I had my first miscarriage um, you know, I'm having I'm having pregnancy symptoms some days, but then some days it's just gone. But now I've gone like literally a full week without any pregnancy symptoms. Like I woke up one morning and it and all the symptoms were gone. And they were like, Are you bleeding? I'm like, no. And they were like, Okay, well, that's a good sign. You're not bleeding. So, you know, are you sure it's not your anxiety? And I'm like, well, maybe it is a bit of my anxiety, but can I please get another checkup? And they were like, no, we've got booked you in for three weeks' time um, because it was around Christmas time. So at the start of Christmas, I had my viability scan and they booked me 
um, they booked me just after Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's period. So I had to wait until then. And as time went by, I was like, okay, I, I, I haven't had any bleeding, you know, maybe I am just overthinking it. Um, you know, some women do lose their symptoms and then it comes back full force. <laughs> and and um, so I just kept saying that to myself. Um, but something inside me, it was like, you know, it was around Christmas. I wanted to tell my parents, um, surprise them for Christmas. So we booked a private scan, you know, a few days before Christmas. Unfortunately, didn't have a very good experience with that clinic either. Um, the sonographer did, well, didn't really scan me properly. Um, so the scan didn't go as what we expected. Um, it showed the sac that's grown since our first scan earlier that month, but it showed no baby in it. So obviously I started crying again. Oh, why? Why? But I was like, it can't be. It can't be. I know it's viable. I know it's viable. Like I haven't had any bleeding. It's it's impossible. Like. Um, and he was basically like, I'm really sorry, I can't even determine if it's a pregnancy sack or not, um, because your sack is measuring six weeks. And I was like, no, it can't be, it can't be. But um, they had concerns that it might be ectopic. They had concerns that it might have ended up being pregnancy of an unknown location. Um, so they said, do the pregnancy test in the following morning. If that's still positive, then call us and we'll refer you to the urgent outpatients clinic. Um, so that's what happened. Um, they referred me because I was still pre um, positive the morning after. And um, because of Christmas, there was loads of delays. And unfortunately, I couldn't have a scan at the hospital because it was literally Christmas Eve and um, I had to wait until another few days later. So um, I went in on the 29th of December, 2022 um, for confirmation scan because over Christmas we grieved, we cried, you know, I was slowly trying to come to terms with losing my third baby. Um and we went to the hospital on the 29th to just confirm it. And I said to my husband, I never want to, I don't ever, I don't want to see this ward again. I don't want to see this hospital in a very, very long time, unless it's good news, <laughs> that is. <laughs> and um, um, we were fully expecting the sonographer to say, yes, you know, you have fully had a mis miscarriage again. Um, expect your bleeding to sign a few days, la de la but she turned around, she, it took a very long time to look at the scan. And I was like, is everything okay? You know, like she had a really confused face on and she said, there's a heartbeat. And I said, no, it can't be. We've just like fully grieved for our baby, which we told, you know, it's not there anymore. Like, how can it be? And she was like, do you want to see? I said, yeah. So she showed us, and you can see the heart flickering away. 
I, I don't know how to explain it. It was such a roller coaster of emotions. We were fully like, I can't believe it for, I don't know, a minute or so until she said, listen, you know, although there is a heartbeat, um, just be aware it might not continue. Um, and we were like, why? And she was like, because of the size of the sack, the size of a baby that's measuring um it's not according to the dates that you're saying that you should be at and according to your viability scan you should be obviously around you know eight nine weeks by now but it's still it's, it's measuring around six weeks and i was like i don't understand what's going on i showed her the private scan picture and she said i have no idea what happened there maybe they didn't scan you properly i'm so sorry you had to grieve over christmas but for the time being yes you have got healthy you know baby it's just quite small um and she was explaining you know sometimes babies can be small according to your ovulation dates um because I don't really know when I ovulate because I've got PCOS. It's been a miracle every single time that we caught pregnant. And um, what happened was she was like, you need to wait a week, come back in a week's time, and we'll see if, see if the baby has grown, see if the sack has grown um, and whatnot. And I kid you not that, that, that um, one week was a very, very long time. It felt like one year every day went by so so slowly and eventually on the 4th of january this year um, we went back and i didn't i didn't really know what to expect like i didn't really know what to expect i i expected half of majority of me was like please please just show it's still a healthy heartbeat and that it's just shot up in growth and now it's completely fine and I'll have a healthy pregnancy but then the other half of me is like I don't know like she didn't seem very um optimistic and you know I can expect bad news and it shouldn't phase me now because I've already grieved um so we went back seven days later and she confirmed, yeah, it has grown very, very slightly, but not as much as they wanted to. But unfortunately, there's no longer a heartbeat. I couldn't believe it. I could believe it and I couldn't believe it. It's really hard to explain. <laughs> and um, uh, I said, but I haven't had no bleeding. I've had no bleeding. Um, yes, my symptoms have gone. Um but I am, I am getting more bloated. My hunger's still there. It's just, um, you know, my sore boobs and stuff like that. And they've completely gone. Um, and they said, because of your progesterone that you're on, um, that stopped you from bleeding. So if you wasn't on any of the progesterone, um, you would have bled, you know, a few weeks earlier kind of thing. So, of course, they advised us, to come off all the medicine, all the injections, all the all the progesterone, to help kickstart the miscarriage again, um, and then it wasn't until then I was told progesterone is not a magic pill. Like you know, some women it works for. Unfortunately, some women it doesn't, and I just fall into that category that it didn't it didn't work with my body. Um, so. Um, this time round, I, I wasn't sure what option to take treatment-wise. 
um and they said you know if you if you're not bleeding by next this time next week then we'll book you in for a medical intervention but because you've had two miscarriages prior in such in such a short period of time in a year uh well a couple of months apart from each other then you know you're more prone to scarring we don't usually advise a medical intervention so try and do as much as you can you know go for a jog do something to help kickstart, you know, the process. And that was really, really hard to get my head around as well. Because mentally, you know, I've grieved for the baby um, and uh, I grieved and grieved and grieved, cried and cried and cried, spoke about it to everybody to help me grieve properly. Um, and... Um, my husband was like, right, let's just go for a jog. I went for a jog and um, I started bleeding. As soon as I started bleeding, I started crying again. Whole real, real, real wind of emotions. Um, but at that moment in time, I was just like, oh, I just, you know, I just want it over and done with the pain. Um, and we opted to get our baby tested. So because I've already started bleeding at home, Another contribution to the trauma, I shall say, is um, we had to collect our baby ourselves. Um, so we collected our baby. It was a long, it was a, because it doesn't obviously come out all in one go over a few days. We just got given a pot, a sieve, um, and we had to collect our baby ourselves. And we just kept saying to ourselves, you know, my husband kept saying, you know, this is really hard, but you've got this, you know, as because our baby's going to get tested. We're definitely going to find out what's what is the cause. Is it genetics? Is it, you know, something underlying that I haven't been tested for? At least we will know. So those few days was quite traumatic to say the least. My husband has been an angel he he was my rock <laughs> and um he helped with the whole collection process and um we had to take a baby to hospital in a part um and just pass it over sign some consent forms which i wasn't mentally ready for on the consent forms it was like regarding about funeral and stuff like that and um and um, in our culture, so I'm Indian, in our culture, um, we don't believe in um, burial services. Um, we believe in, like, cremation and stuff like that. And um, so we had to decide which way we want to go about that because we just thought, okay, we'll send our baby off and, and that's it, like, oh, you know, we say our goodbyes to the part and, you know, we won't ever see our baby again, but they send it back, which I didn't know. Um, so they said it will take a good few months, take about three, four months to get the results back. Um, so to my surprise, I, got, I had a phone call a month later and I, thought, and I wasn't expecting any phone call from the hospital, from the infertility clinic. Um, and it was the infertility nurse. And she said, I'm really, really sorry. Um, but we can't, but um, your baby has come back and um, they couldn't test your baby, um, unfortunately. And I just burst it out crying. I said, I've gone through all this trauma, 
all this trauma on top of trauma of collecting a baby and you're saying that you can't you can't you can't test a baby and they said yeah uh unfortunately it, it was more of me than than an actual baby um so I shed it more of me than than my baby and um there's there's nothing that they can do about that now um but but because they had to send the baby to a different hospital to specialize in that kind of stuff they gave authorization to do a chromosome test on me and my husband and um so we had our blood test done to determine um, if there's something genetically underlying, uh, if that's the issue. And they said the best case scenario is there's nothing underlying genetically, because if it is, then, then it's quite tricky to go around things. Um, and I just thought in my head, OK, we'll go for this blood test, but you know you want an answer you want an answer for why why um this keeps happening to to stop you from blaming yourself because it's a natural reaction you are going to blame yourself like um why why can't i carry a baby and why can't she carry a baby and she's got x y and z conditions wrong with her and you know you end up I ended up, I ended up like comparing myself a lot, and I had to take a full-on social media detox because around that time, all my, like a lot of my friends were getting pregnant. I just kept seeing pregnancy announcements like all the time, and um, yeah. So our chromosome test came back um, as it, everything's fine, everything's normal for me and my husband. Um, my husband had a sperm um, test prior to our fertility journey because he wanted to make sure he's fully okay. And, you know, everything on his side is fine. Um, so to this day, we haven't had any answers. And I've got my head around, we might, may possibly never get any answers to why this keeps going on. Um, we are on a break from trying as well. Um just to get my body the healthiest that it can be mentally as well. Um, and we are unfortunately looking into private treatment now because the hospital and the infertility clinic can't do much else for us test-wise. Um, I, did, I did insist on a scan, so I did have a 3D scan um, a few weeks ago. And that came back fine. Um, my ovary count was fine. Um, you know, I've got borderline PCOS now. Before it was really bad, so that's quite good. They said keep keep up with your good diet and stuff like that. Um, there's no cause of concern in regards to what they can see. My tubes are fine, um, and unfortunately, I'm I'm one, I fall in a category of one in a hundred. Um, so, yeah, we're taking it day by day <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just can't stress enough to whoever's listening to advocate for yourself. Yeah, that's definitely, you've been through a roller coaster for sure. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, I went on a little bit. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. no, that's okay. <laughs> it's good to be able to, you know, talk about our stories. It's not very often that we get to fully share them. Yeah. 
So do you, um, do you talk about your story very often or have you shared it with many people? Um, I, I'm only recently starting to share it with people. Um, so I, I, I speak about it, of course, a lot with my husband, uh, with very few friends, because like I said, quite a few of my friend circle have got pregnant around the same time. Um, so they don't really want to upset me in that sense, which is understandable. So I respect their decision. Um, I do speak to my family, but then again, only certain members, because in our culture, there's it's quite a lot of pressure in our culture to extend your family straight away after you got married. Um, and it's, it's, it's a big taboo subject, a huge taboo subject um in that sense um when when i've told a few of my cousins they didn't know what a miscarriage is they didn't know what a miss miscarriage is um you know they just think oh just try again or oh you can always adopt and although they mean well it is not it's not the nicest thing to say to someone who's gone through recurring loss um you know, like we are open to the idea of adoption, um, possibly in the future if, if I'm fully not able to carry a baby. Um, but um, in regards to telling people, I've just started to reach out on Instagram with you <laughs> <laughs> and um, quite a few other people in that sense. And although it is sad, um that this community isn't well known um it is a safe space for people like us to talk to each other and ensure that you know you are you aren't alone yeah definitely the the lost community is uh something i didn't know existed before you know my losses and then when i found it i was really grateful to have found it it's full of so many amazing people that, you know, all understand what you're going through because they've all been through it too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, like that's why I wanted to share my story, um, in regards to, you know, even if you do have any sort of condition with you, it's not your, it's not your fault, you know, however many losses, it's not your fault if you're if you're struggling to conceive it's not your fault like none of it is your fault so whoever is listening to this please please don't blame yourself and you know grief isn't linear like uh grief comes in hits you in waves so even if you have a good week and then you have a bad couple of days just know that it will pass so is there anything else that you would like to add or share? Um, just just um, to keep advocating for yourself. If you know that, you know, you need certain tests, if you know, um, like the doctors just saying, no, just try again a bit longer or, you know, not taking you very seriously, just advocate for yourself. If your doctor's not listening to you, go to a different doctor um same with the consultant go to a different consultant uh same with tests you know do your own research don't just go fully by what a doctor says because like i said i was told it would be virtually impossible to conceive 
and I did it three times. <laughs> so <laughs> although I didn't maintain it, I still did it three times. Um, but yeah, just um, try try and speak about it if you feel like speaking about it, your story as well, and don't downplay. Don't downplay your grief. Don't downplay, oh, yeah, you know, like, I've, ha- I've had that. It's okay, you know, because, yeah, it is okay, but please don't downplay anything that you've been through. And there are always people out there that want to listen to um, what you've gone through. I think that's great advice. Advocating for yourself is definitely something that I had to learn. I think we we don't all just naturally do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I love your, and I loved your, um, rainbow project that you had on your Instagram. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. We just crossed, um, like 255 stories, I think. Oh, wow. And I'm I'm like, you know, and and in the scheme of things, that seems, it's like a big number, but it's so small compared to like the number of people that have gone through it, you know? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Keep going. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on here. Thank you so much, Annie, for sharing your story with us. One of the things you touched on that I think is super important is learning how to advocate for yourself. I think it's ridiculous how many times you had to keep bringing up the need for progesterone just to be brushed off and told that you couldn't have it because you hadn't been through three losses. Why does the medical community make people go through three losses in order to get additional help and testing? A progesterone test isn't that expensive and it's not hard for a doctor to perform. And taking progesterone pills isn't that costly. So I just don't understand why so many refuse to give it when the levels are low or just to even do the test to check for it. But seriously, I hate that even when we feel something is wrong, we're so often dismissed by doctors and told we're just overreacting or that we don't need whatever it is. They act like we're just being scared for no reason, even in the times when we can really truly feel that something is not right. I think we know our body and we know when something doesn't seem right. As Annie said, Don't be afraid to advocate for yourself. Ask for the testing. Ask for what you need. Tell them when you think something is off. If they refuse to listen, switch doctors. You have to do what is best for you. Find a doctor that cares and that will listen and that will take you seriously. We all deserve to have a doctor that listens to us and treats us with respect. Don't forget that. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thank you so much for tuning in and remember, we are all in this together.